Welcome to the Subconscious Mind Mastery Podcast. Thomas Miller, thanks for stopping by. If this is your first time, welcome. If it's a return visit, glad to have you back. I'm excited about today's episode. We're going to be talking to Fred Dodson, and we're going to be talking about a new audio book. So if you think about manifesting and creating and bringing things into your reality, that's almost like a verb, right? It's almost like an action that we take. But what about being in a state where we are just tuned in and, as the title of the book explains, in the flow state all the time? Whoa, would that be a game changer? Well, we're going to be talking to Fred about... Ah, right on time. Hello. Hello, Thomas Miller. I'm glad to be back. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> I was first. Part of flow is humor. <laughs> it is great to be talking to you again. And we're going to talk about a subject that I think is going to uh, put you back up in the realm of parallel universes of self, levels of energy, and the, the books that you are known for. The title is The Flow State, and we're going to talk about being in the zone and in the flow. Fred Dodson, obviously, back with us again. So let's just take it straight up. How do you define or what is flow? I define flow as when everything goes smoothly, we call that flow. When a success happens effortlessly, we call that flow. But there's something even deeper uh, than that. If, if you go more into flow, it becomes an altered state of consciousness where time stretches, time slows down. Uh, reality gets this liquid, energetic quality, and your state is super lucid. And I say that there's uh, three ways in which we normally enter that state. One is through a neutral, non-judgmental, flowy calm. Another is through immersion into something we love. We really get into it to the point where we forget time, space, and self. And the third way we usually get into it is through extreme urgency, extreme deadline, extreme emergency, such as the mother who's suddenly able to lift a car because her child is under it, even though she does no workout or anything, extreme urgency. So those are the three ways we normally get into it. Yep. Similar to the athlete playing in the zone for a particular in game. Zone. In the zone, yeah. The reason I wrote about flow is because of tennis. I play a lot of tennis. Where I have a lot of time, I play three times a week, and that's a lot of time with tennis because the topic of flow fascinates me. That's why I play three times a week. I've been exploring it through tennis, even though it applies to everything, applies to uh, business, relationships, everything can be in or out of flow. And I've just examined the, the factors that determine me getting into flow and out of flow during tennis, the most important being when I'm taking the game too seriously, when I'm too tense, uh, I get out of flow in tennis and I usually lose the game. Whereas when I'm practicing, I play the best. So the very my very best tennis game is when I'm alone 
against a tennis wall, right? Nobody's watching and uh, there's no scorekeeping or anything. I whack and smash the ball like crazy. Someday I'm going to do a video of that because I play so much better alone or I used to. And once I realized that, I thought, okay, why am I playing this way when nobody's watching? We're not keeping score in this way when we're keeping score. Can I transfer this state, this absolute abandoned state where you just let go of everything? You don't care how it looks. You just whack that ball. Can I transfer that to the uh, actual match? And I observed myself and noticed that when it came to important points, such as tie breaks, you know, at the end of a set that's six, six and you're tie break. And everybody gets really timid and, and nobody wants to make mistakes and people's game starts to look so ridiculous because they're so, it's so important to them to succeed and win that they're no longer playing with abandon or freely. They're no longer letting go and releasing. So what I did is I remembered that state that when we warm up, when we're just in practice, uh, we play with abandon. And I started applying that to tie breaks to the important points and just remembered, okay, this is just warm up. This is just practice. And it worked so well that I learned my first fundamental lesson about flow. I learned that uh, I have to pretend this is just practice, just a game. This is just a warm up. This is nothing serious. So I would play with complete abandon during these important points, whereas the others would be timid, you know, and I'd always win the tie breaks, always win every single tie break. I'd win through this every single one. And I thought, wow, that's extraordinary. Uh, that means I need to write a book. <laughs> <laughs> well, sports is such a great metaphor. You know, I'm almost as you were talking there, I'm thinking, okay, so if people who don't play sports, what is something in life that they could lock on to to open up the flow on a consistent basis? But you've already taken care of that because you have exercises all through this book to get people into that state in various kinds of ways. Yeah. Uh, in reality, I just wanted to write about tennis. Then I realized most people don't play tennis, you know, so I forced myself to apply it to business and to relationships, even though these topics don't interest me as they used to, because my challenge right now is tennis. So I'm like, okay, <laughs> you got to add something about business now and about relationships. And I did that and I added exercises. Sure. It applies to everything. Uh, how does it apply to business? Well, as I say in the book, I can hold a speech in front of a crowd and I can be in a release state, a state of abandon, just like in tennis. If I take this whole crowd too importantly, too seriously, I'm going to get tense, you know? And if I take them as friends, I love them, they love me, I'm going to be able to speak freely. And that's a challenge for many people, you know? Many people can't imagine speaking freely in front of others, being in the flow with others. So through life, you first experience flow with yourself and your life. And then you experience it in bigger and bigger contexts to, to the point where you can even be in the flow in front of a crowd. Can you be in flow 24 seven? Yeah. That's what I, what I've been exploring, you know, you can be in flow 24 seven by following what truly interests you and doing less 
of this forced focus, forced, I call it, I'm doing a workshop on flow at the moment, teaching people about the forced focus most of us live in. We, we are taught we have to focus on things that we don't enjoy, don't believe, and don't like. And that puts you out of flow, really. But that's how we're conditioned from early on from school. You know, you got to focus on this, pay attention and focus on this, none of which you've chosen. You know, what a radical concept. Imagine a school where they say, what, what do you choose to focus on? <laughs> we live in a much different world. So we've all been, been conditioned to focus on stuff that doesn't interest us. That puts us out of flow. So if I can, most of the time in my life, put my attention in the direction of things that are aligned with me, I'm going to have better health, better finances, better uh, energy, better flow, better everything, Thomas. I was going to ask, so what is the opposite of flow? And you just listed it. It's being out of your zone. It's being obligatory. So how do we practice flow when things are so crazy in our world right now that um, if you have a conversation with a friend, if you look on social media, if you listen to the news, chances are you're going to get your head turned around a little bit and start thinking about what's going on around us. How do we stay in flow in a crazy world? By not putting too much importance into uh, what's going on around us, which I already talked about a lot in my reality creation materials, external world versus internal world. My compass should stay internal. And what's happening externally is interesting, you know, to some extent, but it's not that important. People get caught up, you know, they get caught up in the external, in the politics. Uh, I mean, before we started this session, you asked me whether I watched a Joe Biden speech, and I had to laugh because uh, that's not something I do. That's um, external talking head. It's not that important to me, you know. That's why I laughed. I literally laughed. Why why would I watch? Well, I haven't watched a politician's speech in more than... I don't know how 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 long ago, you know, I can't stand politicians. Anyway, these politicians and talking heads and ads and movies and opinions and friends and family and media, they're great, all good. But I have to look within and see what interests me, what I prefer, what I'm really into. Even my wife, it doesn't have to be Joe Biden. Even my wife can act as a Joe Biden by telling me, Fred, you should be focusing more on this and this. But really, she can't tell me what I should be focusing on. Nobody can tell another what they should be focusing on. This is something that has to be discovered internally. I was meeting with uh, friends of ours who are a bunch of uh, anti-vaxxers. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay with anti-vaxxers. A bit skeptical myself, to be honest. But um, the way they were talking about it was not fun to me. It was uh, really angry, and it was permanent. And after a while, I was like, do these people talk about anything else? They were trying to convince me to be really, really scared. Um, and even though their words contained truth, okay, they spoke the truth. They didn't 
speak it in the in a flowy way. They spoke it in an angry way, so it kind of repelled me. I was like, leave me alone, you know. They're gonna. Be, they were like, uh, they're gonna put you in a. I said to them um, at one point. I said to them, "Well, I'm I'm not afraid because I believe my body is strong and resilient." And they said, "No, it's not." insane okay i believe my body is strong and resilient no it's not (laughs) that's what i was asking we're in a crazy world (laughs) yeah so i'm like i need to get out of here you know as much as i appreciate anti-vaxxers and as much as their viewpoint has merit i need to get out of here because i don't need all the fear so the external world every day the external world is there talking bunch of talking heads, whether it's these friends, my wife, politicians, but I still have to look within. And that's what flow is all about. Again, that's what all my books are all about. You know, I got to look within and see how I really feel. In every life situation, I need to find what I really feel about something because people's feelings communicate something. They have a message and people are too cut off from what they really feel because of all the voices, the external voices, the radio and the TV and the repetition and the opinion and this. And sometimes that's why, you know, you like to take walks in nature because when you take walks in nature, all that goes into silence and you can feel who you are. What process do you do? I do. I go into nature. I do walks in the mountains. What do you do to tune in? What's your favorite? I uh, turn off my Wi-Fi. <laughs> Sorry, I literally turn off the Wi-Fi sometimes. Then my wife is like, "Who turned off the Wi-Fi?" <laughs> there's oh, only sorry. two of us here yeah, I, I, I thought <laughs> yeah. you're at work uh... <laughs> now what does that how does that correlate what so you turn off the wi-fi and tune in what how does that how does that work together well if i turn off the wi-fi i can no longer take in external information from the internet we don't have a tv you see and i don't have a radio so if i turn off wi-fi I'm just with myself, and that's a good thing. Um, I, I'll take walks like you. I'll meditate. Um, I'll uh, write. But it's more of a conscious knowledge of what, you know, what external versus internal is, the importance of the internal. Look at how people go through life, always looking at the external for the next uh thing to do or the next thing to think they're like waiting okay who's going to tell me what to do or think next what entertainment to follow next just the knowledge of that that it's not about that it's about finding it within what do you want what do you really feel what do you really think about all this just sitting down right now and asking these questions that's that's what i do i consciously look and feel i feel thomas you do it all the time don't you yeah. Kind of constantly automatic. checking in. Yeah. I remember when I started narrating your books back in 2013, I was, it was like riding a bicycle. It, it would have come, the same kind of questions would have come. Well, what technique do you do? How long do you do it? What do you know? Do you, is it quite, you know, all these, all this stuff about a technique. 
And then somewhere between book one and book, I think this is 30 or 31, somewhere in between there, I started riding the bicycle and realized that that process of tuning in was happening just naturally, kind of like all the right. time, right? Right. So something happens and you just, without even having to process it or, or do a verb kind of activity, you just, that feeling comes up that this is either something to step toward or step away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. It's either something to step toward or step away. Good one, Thomas. Yes. What is the, is there a distinction between the concept of flow that you wrote about versus reality creation? Yes. Good question. Excellent question. Uh, reality creation is more active and flow, flow is uh, a different way of living. If I follow the flow path, I'm probably not defining any goals. I'm just going with what interests me today, with what's right, the right thing to do, the interesting thing to do, and the right thing to do today, day by day, just feeling it out. I have overall intentions for my life and preferences and wishes and a general direction, but it's not this rigid, you know, I got to manifest this one thing. And if I don't uh, got to work the technique, that's reality creation. That's great. You can do that. I do it if really needed. It's like right now at the moment, I'm actually using uh, reality creation on a certain project a uh, big project, big changes coming in my life, which I'll talk about another time. So I'm actually, because it's a big thing, I'm actually using reality creation techniques. I'm visualizing and I'm uh, backwards planning, if you know what that is. But normally I don't use it. Normally I just use flow because there's no huge project happening. You know, I don't need to do manifesting for, if I go to play tennis, what I need there is to learn about flow. So most of my life, I just uh, flow. When something big comes up, I use manifesting. I'm realizing now where, where the change shifted for me. It was while I was in Colorado. That's when my life started to flow and the grip started to release. And then it's just been pretty much a flow since then. And I've been infinitely more overall successful now than I ever have been in my life. So the results of the flow, thumbs up big time. So the shift, is, yeah, the shift yeah. is from doing it consciously. I think riding the bicycle is exactly the or if you're a novice tennis player and you walk out onto the court, in fact, you talk about this in the book. And there's a tennis coach or instructor who's telling you how to grip the racket and how to stand and how to balance your weight and how to square your shoulders and all this list of stuff that you're supposed to put together in order to try to hit the ball. It's overwhelming. It's too many steps. And then, yes. when, you know, and then when you just let go of it, well, you can do that with your overall life as well. That's right. It's subconscious. You're right. Once you let the subconscious do it, if your subconscious is properly programmed, it's going to do it. 
So rather than receiving every detail instruction, uh, you allow yourself to see the overall final result you want and let the subconscious take care of the rest. As in, uh, and this applies to life. You know, I say in the book that if, if you want a glass of milk, you're, you'll say to someone, could I please have a glass of milk? And you're not going to outline every detail. Control freaks outline every detail you have to take, every step you have to take on the path to getting a glass of milk. You know, pour it from this glass and walk in this way and get this kind of glass. Uh, uh, don't break it. Um, check the date on the milk and use the one that's uh, older. Um, no, none of that. They'll just say, get me a glass of milk. Keep it simple. It focuses on the final result and the rest will be taken care of. And it's a problem in society, Thomas, that people are too controlling. Uh, their grip is too tight. It's, it's, a, it's a real issue. They think they have to micromanage, you know, bosses that think they need to micromanage every single employee. And then when the boss goes on vacation, everybody breathes a sigh of relief and they can work with more creativity and effectiveness. We've seen it many times. We've all seen it. You know, everybody's like, Oh, boss is gone. Now we can really get some work done because he's no longer micromanaging everyone. Then on the other hand, he stays away for too long. I write in the book, people start losing focus, you know? So that's where reality creation comes in once in a while. The boss needs to be there and give new instructions, uh, focus on new goals once in a while, and, and but not too often. So flow is finding the balance between control and release. That's really what flow is. And I think the thing that I'm seeing people struggle with the most, a big area that people are struggling with right now is when they are in that environment where they are the ones being controlled – allowing that controlling because as they allow the controlling they certainly lose the flow they do they absolutely do and if they stand up to it and say i i, I don't want that control it stops most of the time in most cases and if it doesn't stop you're dealing with a psychopath you know I'd like to turn the table here for just a second and go in a direction that you did not talk about in the book, but it's been something on my mind lately that has shown up, and let's just play with it for a minute. I was wrestling through something just in this past week, and the story of Jesus and the woman at the well in Samaria came to my mind. So I it just blinked out of nowhere. So I just sat with that for a minute, and I thought, well, why did this come up? What's around this? And what I realized in going back and remembering a few of the details around that story, I didn't even open the Bible and read it. I just remembered some of the details. And as you know, I shifted my religious perspective 12 years ago now, I guess, after my second divorce and kind of wiped that part out and tried to rebuild it. And as part of that rebuilding, I was thinking, what's the secret sauce, if you will, about Jesus' message of love and forgiveness? We've had a message of love and forgiveness since since we we humans basically started. It's been there. What's the magic of it? But what came to me about the story of the woman at the well? 
was that here was a situation where Jesus was in a antagonistic situation with somebody that basically he shouldn't have been talking to. Number one, a woman. Number two, a racially inferior woman, according to his a Jewish perspective. They were basically half-breeds. They had bred to another line, and the Jews considered them taboo. I mean, you, you just don't talk to them. Discrimination at its highest. What came to me was that he was completely non-reactive in that situation. And then I got to thinking, you know, except for one incident that was counted when he was driving the money changers out of the temple, Jesus' whole story was one of non-reaction. The storm was raging on the Sea of Galilee. The disciples were panicked. We're going to die. We're going to die. He's asleep in the back of the boat. So this is like 90% non-reactive, 10% reactive. And that perhaps teaches us the proper relation of those two. There you go. There's there, the, you go. there to yeah. me is the Christ conscious way shower because, and I've thought about you a lot in this too, especially here lately, that as we're facing these enormous challenges just to be on the planet right now, for crying out loud, this is like no other time in certainly modern history. And I know that, that you are flowing with it. You are navigating it. And you are, in essence, as you just described, mostly your choices, non-reacting to the paraphernalia that's going on around us. And that's a high consciousness response because most people are reacting. Yeah, they're angry. They're pissed off. They're fearful and angry. Well, it's like your friends. You said the, the p- people who had a particular perspective and they were being yeah. reactive about it. Mm-hmm. Both sides of the uh, issue are in fear and reaction, both sides. It's always two sides, and, and people act like it's uh, just one side that's fearful. They're pointing fingers, you know, but um, there was one conversation in which this became so clear to me. Uh, back in 2020, this uh, old lady, and um, she's like... Uh, you know, if I if I don't get the vax, people here are going to look at me strangely. I'll be a pariah. Um, but I'm really afraid of getting it. I don't want to get it. I think it's poison. It's toxic. And in that moment, I realized she's uh, damned if she does it and damned if she doesn't. She, she, she just told me, if I get it, it's bad. If I don't get it, it's bad. And I realized there's fear on both sides. Pro-vax fear, anti-vax fear. I thought, wow, what a what a situation to be in, you know. <laughs> and I said to her, look, what about this? Just imagine uh, you get it and then all is well. You don't get it all is well. Is that a possibility? <laughs> you don't get the vax, you stay healthy. You get it, you stay healthy. Is that even in your mind? You know, that's it's almost like that's not even an option for people to actually stay healthy regardless. Right. That's That scares me. The propaganda scares me that it's always double propaganda from both sides, you know. Th- that's an issue, I'd say, that we need to solve, you know, this uh, double-sided fear. 
the opposite being double-sided love or double-sided joy, you know, um, what, what if you stay healthy? All I hear from people is, uh, stay safe, stay safe. What about stay healthy, stay free, you know, um, stay free, stay healthy, stay alive. I mean, alive stay in alive. the, in the vibrant yeah. sense, not the, you know, yes. living, breathing, heart beating sense, the live your life. Yes. So that's my message to pro-vaxxers and anti-vaxxers. Chill out. Uh, this whole fear thing is is the most unhealthy of all. More unhealthy than all of this other stuff, in my view, again. But also, not only in my view, in my experience, frankly. Okay, I've been self-healing and helping others heal since 30 years just through change in emotions. What emotions needed to be changed? Anger and fear. You release anger and fear, you suddenly recover and you get healthy. And so it's funny to me to see all of these people speaking in anger, in fear, talking about health, <laughs> you know, or getting sick. Uh, it's, it's funny to me. See, in the midst of the raging storm, we had to wake Fred up to get in here to do this interview. <laughs> he was asleep. <laughs> Just not that bothered by it. And that's how you need to. I mean, from that perspective, you can you can have choice. I like what. So flow, 90 percent non-reaction, 10 percent take care of things that you need to take care of. There's business to do. We're on Earth, right? We're well, on a, Earth. Yeah. So that, that's a wise observation, Thomas. Good one. It's too late to include it into the book, but it's a great observation. Because people also, they, they, they think it's, uh, you know, if I say flow, that they always have to be in the flow. Or if I say be loving, that they always have to be loving. And that's just as limiting and stupid as, as the other alternative, you know. I don't always have to be loving. I mean, e even just the expression have to, you know, there's no have to. I can be angry. <laughs> this is called the flow state. Maybe you've got a, another one called the 90-10 state. Which is the flow state. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It truly is. Fred, thank you so much. This is fascinating. And I love the exercises through them. It's something that you can't turn too many pages before you have another exercise. So if you guys have ever wanted a collection of Fred Dodson exercises in one place, one stop, this is it, the flow state. Thank you so much. Great book. Thank you, Thomas. Thank you very much. The book is called The Flow State. It's available on Amazon, and the audiobook is available on Audible, Amazon, and iTunes. It's classic Fred. It is packed with exercises. It's a treasure in your library. I hope it raises your vibe, increases your productivity, connects you with your inner self, and helps you to always enjoy the journey. I'm Thomas Miller. Thanks so much for listening. The stories and opinions expressed on this podcast are independently those of the host and guests and are not intended to be taken as medical advice or to replace medical care from a licensed professional when appropriate.
The stories and opinions expressed on this podcast are independently those of the host and guests and are not intended to be taken as medical advice or to replace medical care from a licensed professional when appropriate.